Hello and welcome to SMPD, the podcast where we look back at the cartoons that shaped our childhood. I am Chris Bolton and with me as always my partner in podcasting, Mr. Mark Williams. Hello. And this episode we're taking a trip down to O-Town and looking at Rocco's modern life. Yeah, and no, I was quite surprised by this one. That I, I, I was aware of it, I remember it, I remember bits and pieces, I can remember what Rocco looked like, I remember Philbert, I remember Spunky. Um, I didn't remember. Spunky. Yeah, no. Um, I didn't. We'll remember, get to that. <laughs> I didn't remember much about the show, and I've I put on a couple of um, couple of bits um, this evening. It's it's, it's on um, it's on Netflix. Um, Is it? Yeah. Oh, I did not realize. I've just been uh, going to our various um, highly illegal sources. I would have much rather gone to Netflix. God damn it! Um, but yeah, so I I picked up um, the pilot episode, which was um, Trash and Madness, um, in which. Everything looks the same except he's yellow, um, and I remember I remember putting on and going, "Why is he yellow? He's not supposed to be yellow." And then bits started coming back to me. So as I was watching, I, I, I went through a couple of uh, a couple of episodes, just so, well, a couple of sort of smaller stories, just looking at that. And I was I was quite pleased that I sort of picked it up and went, "Oh yeah, I remember I remember more of this than I thought." Yeah, one of the reasons um, I think this was one of my suggestions yeah. actually, and and one of the reasons I suggested this. Um, was I yeah as as we've discussed previously on the on this show I was very much into Nicktoons um, yeah. at, at the time when they first came out and Rocco's Modern Life was one that was just seemed to constantly be the filler like it was on every day but it was on between shows that I really fucking liked um, yes. it's not to say I didn't like this but it never seemed as good or as exciting to me as as maybe some of the others were and. I've never gone back to it and rewatched it until we started prepping for this episode. But there's always been this niggling thing in the back of my mind that maybe, maybe I was just a little bit young watching it because it definitely skews older, I think, than yes. some of the others. Uh, and so I was really keen to dive back in and watch and watch some of this. So yeah, I've been um, I've been watching as much as I can actually over the last couple of days. Um, I sourced it on Daily Motion, uh, not realizing it was on Netflix. Like a fool, uh, I would much rather do it legally, and I advise everyone else out there to do it legally too. Support creators where you can, guys. It's important. Um, but yeah, so uh, I dove in with a plum, uh, and I've I've come away from it with mixed feelings. Really, it's it's definitely better than I remember. Right. Um, however. It is hit or I, I find it hit or miss. Some episodes are hilarious, others are not so much. Um, but you get that with everything, don't you? I mean, you, you're never going to like every not every gag and every every show that's ever made. And I think for me, it was it's has the same sort of anarchic feeling as um, as you had with, with Ren and Stimpy, but to a lesser extent. Where it's for for younger children, it would have been easier to follow. Because yes. it wasn't as crazy, but for adults it would have been not quite as risque. But just yes, it's, it's, exactly. it still had something about it that was entertaining enough for adults. Where you got, oh yeah, you know what? That's still pretty funny. 
Yeah, now you, you've taken the words out of my mouth. This is a point that I was going to make later on. It, it absolutely is kind of the... And it, and it feels like this when you watch it as well. It's kind of the halfway house between, say, Ren and Stimpy and Looney Tunes. Oh, yeah, um, it's, it's the PG-13 version. Yes, it very much... The first season of Rocco feels very much like the later seasons of Ren and Stimpy when yeah. they got hold of it and, and realised what it was and were like, whoa, you ain't doing this, behave. Yeah. Uh, and that's what the first season of Rocco feels like. Um, there is... Having jumped around a bit like I have with watching it on Daily Motion, there is also definitely in the later seasons it's even further sanitized i guess is is the word for it um yeah, it's I mean, still there's a reason for that i mean um, joe murray left um after three seasons um and handed over to um stephen hillenberg so that's where the change in direction came from right now four. that makes sense yeah there is a very noticeable drop in quality uh, if i'm honest more so even than in ren and stimpy yeah um it, it really does seem to just go off a cliff towards the end um but yeah it's still got that that kind of anarchic ren and stimpy vibe to it it's just like it's it's had the the edges rounded off a little bit having said that we're talking like there's a there's a essentially a rip-off of kfc called choky chicken Uh, (laughs) (laughs) yeah that was um i was gonna come to that they they changed that uh, later on to chewy chicken Apparently, no. Apparently, nobody, uh, Nickelodeon, realised what that was a euphemism for. Yeah. So, I mean, it's full of things like that. There's Chokey Chicken. There's O Town, obviously. There's Spunky the Dog. Yeah. There's, you know, it's there if you want it. There is a lot of adult humour in this uh, show. There's loads of it. If you go onto YouTube, there's um, there's a compilation of clips, which is um, it's something like eight, no, eight or ten of the be- of the best adult gags from Rock and Modern Life. And it's literally just line after line of all this stuff. You want fucking hell to get away with that? Yeah, it's and I mean on on top of the the kind of subversive adult humor like that, there's also the more direct stuff that you would get in Ren and Stimpy. You know, people have got nipples out all over the place and yeah. what I have mean, you. I mean, it was always kind of known for that. And I remember at the time, um, I said my parents weren't overly keen on us watching stuff like The Simpsons or stuff like this because they thought there was too much adult humor in it. And this would have been right around ninety. 394 we had it I think um, so I mean no I, I wouldn't have been old enough for a lot of it but I, rem- I remembered I didn't remember the sort of context but I remember there was one where he was working for as a phone operator and he just kept saying stupid things and having just found the clip of that he's saying oh baby oh baby it's a, no, he, he's, he's working on a sex line and oh my he, god I, I did um, not see that one there's, there's a sign behind him um, it's like a sort of a mantra for, for all employees which is be hot be naughty be courteous um, Jesus, and it's like no, you wouldn't get you you wouldn't get away with that unless you're on something like Family Guy or Adult Swim. Now you wouldn't get away with that, and this was a game prime time kids show. Yeah, and that's the thing. I I think that's what always drew me to Nicktoons. Um, I think, as I say, this one went ever so slightly over my head in a lot of ways, but that it was always that kind of just really skirting on the edge of what they could get away with that that's kind of signature for nickelodeon at this time yeah Um, and even you know as we get later into nickelodeon's lifespan you know you can see how this then evolves into spongebob squarepants yeah Um, well it's the same people isn't it um after this got cancelled a lot of the same people went on but on on that note even nickelodeon balked at a couple of things there were a few um gags which they had in there which they expected to be cut and then nickelodeon went 
mm, yeah okay you can do that now, there's one um, I can't remember what episode it's in but um, um, Rocco uh, has a interaction with a, a milking machine um, which is Heifer's girlfriend um, and that he gets attached to this milking machine and you see his face and his reaction and in the original script he had um, as he was um, as he was coming um, his eyes turned into little hearts and they pitched it to Nickelodeon Nickelodeon went can it be stars instead and Jesus went, yeah okay fine and it went in and it was actually drawn and then when the scene was actually when they showed it to Nickelodeon went, oh fuck you can't do that yeah um, I mean on that note uh, there is a lot of visual humour in here as well. So yes. even even stuff that isn't quite as um, as sly as the the choky chicken and, and things like that. Um, yeah. th- there is a lot of visual gags in here. There are. Uh, I mean, I, I find it quite interesting. You were sort of, you likened it to a sort of a halfway house between Ren and Stimpy and um, Looney Tunes, and there is a very sort of Looney Tunes feel to it. Where you know, people's eyes pop out of their heads and yes. stuff like that. And it's it's there's there's a lot of reference drawn to that. They are going for a particular style, and it, it works because you see a lot of things where, excuse me, um, they've tried that and it hasn't really come off, or they've tried to move away from it and they've gone too far the opposite direction. It doesn't. A cartoon doesn't play like a cartoon. It's just somebody's drawing a sitcom, somebody's drawing a sitcom, and this kind of went well. Fuck it, we we are a cartoon. We know we're a cartoon, so let's play on that. Let's make it look like the cartoons that we used to watch growing up that we know and love, that everyone knows and loves, and it's kind of it's nice to see that they've gone. Yeah, well, no. It's a tradition, so let's. It's a tradition for a reason. Let's keep it. Let's keep it going. Yeah, and I mean, I'm a big fan of that now, and I know I've mentioned this in previous pods as well. I forget which ones. I have a feeling that Johnny Bravo may have been one of them. Mm. Um, but certainly, um, as a as a child, I was never really drawn to things like Looney Tunes and Silly Symphonies and Merry Melodies and yeah. and all of those kind of animated shorts they never really did it for me i was always looking for the long story arc and and the shows that sort of drew me in um and then as an adult as i've gone back i've, I've come to appreciate the, the storytelling craft and certainly the the comedic craft involved in animated shorts uh, yeah. and so re-watching this a lot of that has come through for me this time as well which was lost on me as, as a kid and was probably why this was never something that appealed to me in the same way as say Ren and Stimpy did then um, because even though we think of Ren and Stimpy as being something quite anarchic and, and being full of just absolute mental shit um, there was a very clear storyline in every episode Yeah. Um, you know sometimes they were parodies of other things but there was always a clear storyline there are episodes of Rocco's Modern Life where fuck all happens like yeah. <laughs> it, it it's just it just slapstick nonsense at times it, it is but i mean you you look at um like you look at the way it's kind of set out is it's exactly what it says in it's it it's parodying no no modern everyday normal life so the pilot episode is by him trying to get trash out on garbage day yeah and it, the, the, it, it's, yeah, it's, it's it about nothing it's but an animated it, sitcom and we've used that term before um and you know i don't mean it here in terms of being a sitcom in that you know it, it's it's full of zingers and things like that as we said the the humor is very slapstick but it is about it's about setting these anthropomorphic animals in this kind of suburbia and what happens to them in those situations giving them everyday life yeah and seeing what happens almost an animated seinfeld if you like yeah 
I mean, there's a, there's a beautiful um, quote. It's on the wiki page. Um, I can't remember who it's attributed to, um, but um, oh, it's actually from um, from Joe Murray, who created the show, saying he developed the character for visiting visiting um, the um, visiting a, a zoo and seeing a wallaby that was just sort of standing still and completely oblivious to all the chaos that was going around going on around it. And it's it's a it's some you can use a picture, but it sums up the show perfectly. That you've you know, you've got this character who's just you know, trying to go about his everyday being, and the world just fucking implodes around him every single time. Yeah, yeah, it it is exactly that. It's about how Rocco deals with the, his insane friends and yeah. the the crazy situations and schemes that that Heffer comes up with and things like that. Um, and that that is you know a very traditional setup when you think about it for what we would think of as a children's cartoon they just take that and then layer all of this adult humor on top of it um and i mean murray always said he he didn't write for children he never he didn't know how to write for children he never intended to write for children he wrote a show that he wanted to write and it kind of went to a certain level and nickelodeon were fine with that it wasn't a case of they said no you need to tone it down you need to water it down you need to do this that and the other they said right okay well that's, that's the show you want to make make it yeah, and they were happy with that. And, and, and I mean, it really is blatant as well. You know, we're not talking about nudge, nudge, wink, wink here. This humor, like I said, choky chicken is mm. as in your face as you like. There's a superhero called really, really big man. You know, yeah. it's... <laughs> isn't there something called, called Big Head as well? Uh, yeah, there's Ed Big Head, is it? Ed? Yeah, it, it is yeah. Ed, isn't it? Ed Big Head, the, that's yeah. the frog. Um, yeah, <laughs> it's, it's not at all... I mean, even probably more so than Ren and Stimpy. You know, at least Ren and Stimpy tried to sort of hide what they were doing in yeah, some ways. This is just flat out, just filth in a lot yeah, of ways. Yeah, and, and I mean, it's it's kind of um, it's the opposite way that um, Warner's went with um, Animaniacs, which is about the same time. Obviously, they went very much down the Judge Wing Wing group, as we discussed on a much earlier episode of this. Mm-hmm. They they went down that route and said, look, yeah, we know what we're doing. You know what we're doing, but we're not going to do it because you know, we're Warner Brothers and we're not allowed to do that. And these shows, um, let's say, Brent Stimpy and, um, and and Rocco, they just went, no, fuck that. Yeah, let's we'll just, just go do for it. it. Bollocks, we'll just get on with it. And they did, and they did it to great success, and they did it to great effect as well because, I mean, no. 20 years later we're still talking more than 20 years later we're still talking about the show yeah I mean it's it shows like this regardless of the fact that I would say at the time it was my least favourite Nicktoon um, I would still watch it whenever it was on because I'd be waiting for real monsters or whatever was coming next <laughs> um, but regardless of what I thought of it at the time even this is very specifically a Nicktoon you know and they did so well are putting that brand out there with shows like this and Ren and Stimpy, like and and as I say, even carrying it through to SpongeBob, you look at a Nicktoon and you know it's a Nicktoon. Oh you know, yeah, it, definitely. It you, the humor is subversive. That they, they do have a very specific in your style, uh, in your face style. Sorry, um, the colors, as you say, you got things like in that pilot episode where Rocker will be bright yellow. I know they toned it down later on, but even so, Heifer is bright yellow. You know, it it definitely has its own style, and you know they deserve credit for that. But it's interesting that you drew the parallel with Animaniacs because that's somewhere I was going to go with it as well. It does feel most similar. I mean, obviously we've drawn the comparison to Ren and Stimpy, but it does to me feel most similar to Animaniacs. 
and it yeah, is that uh, level of humor i think and and the fact that it is like a slapsticky old school warner brothers cartoon i think that's what draws that parallel for me definitely i mean i think that ren and snape is a more immediate comparison because they were they're both nicktoons they both look kind of similar they both have a similar sort of tone mm-hmm. um but you're right i think in terms of the actual content and in terms of the style of it, yeah, it's very, it's it's a lot more, um, it's a lot more conducive to Animaniacs. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I think that to try and compare it too directly to Ren and Stimpy would be possibly too much because I mean, Ren and Stimpy was a lot more anarchic, a lot more chaotic, whereas this is a lot more structured and a lot more polished in the same way that Animaniacs was. Not to say that um, Ren and Stimpy isn't polished, but it's a different type of product. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that to try and compare the two is comparing apples and oranges. Where I think you're right, Animaniacs kind of sits alongside it. Yeah, now I mean that's as unfortunate as it is complimentary. Um, yes, because uh, you know, in one breath we're saying, well, yeah, this is like Animaniacs, and then in the other breath it's like, yeah, but it's not Animaniacs. <laughs> um, I I feel like you know, I, and we said this early on when we started doing these podcasts. Animaniacs was one of the first out of the gate for us, mm. and that is such a high bar for anything to try and clear. That. It it is, but I mean, I think well, we discussed it when we when we talked about Animaniacs so that that kind of almost passed us by, really. I mean, because the time it came out and for where it was sort of pitched, I mean, it was pitched as a Saturday morning job. Where I mean, at that time, Saturday mornings, I was playing football, so if I if I was at home, it meant that I wasn't out playing football, so I didn't really care what was on. Um, and so Animaniacs, I almost missed it, really. Um, whereas this, I kind of remember wanting to watch. Yeah. Now that's an interesting point actually because I hadn't thought about it like that and I I did say this in our Animaniacs episode um, but I'll I'll repeat it again for anybody that hasn't um, listened to that one. I, much like I said I would not rush to watch this. I was the same with Animaniacs. I barely watched Animaniacs as a child. Like if it was on I would watch it but it was by no means like run home from school and put ITV on because Animaniacs is on. Um, Mm. So yeah, it, it did pass me by whereas this i would sit there and watch it but maybe that is the nicktoons thing maybe that is because i was very much into nicktoons and this was on nickelodeon so chances are i was more likely to catch this than i was animaniacs um that's a that's a a fair point and i mean that's i i I, I liked animaniacs it just wasn't the be all and end all whereas i remember when this was on i can't remember what when it was on but it was a case of right if I knew it was coming on, and if I, if from say it was start, I knew it was starting in five minutes. I said, right, what am I going to do for five minutes till that comes on? Yeah. Most other things, I wasn't that bothered. Yeah, but I but I think what what's interested me about that, and I don't know if this is the same for you as well, but we're talking about two shows which are very similar here, and two shows which I said when we were talking about Animaniacs as well, which which harken back to that old school Looney Tunes slapstick style short. Um, yeah. And so there again is just that thing for me of that that just wasn't doing it for me. And as we've gone back and looked at both of these shows now, um, I've come to appreciate them a lot more. I mean, Animaniacs especially, I still think is probably the best show aside from Batman that we've looked at on this podcast. Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I think that it's certainly the one um, again with a possible section of Batman. It's probably the one I've had most enjoyment going back and going back to definitely definitely maybe johnny bravo as well um but even that again harkens back to this kind of old school short slapstick so there's definitely something that's changed 
in me yeah. as I've got older. <laughs> I, was say, I, I think it's probably saying more more about us than it's about the shows. I pro- I'm probably regressing rather than <laughs> rather than progressing as I go through life is what that is. Um, I'm certainly becoming more juvenile. Um, but yeah, maybe maybe that's it. Um, I don't know. That that's just something that that has struck a chord with me as we're talking about it. So. Yeah, um, I say it's. You know, I mean, there's there's quite a lot written about the show. I mean, one of the big um, things that sort of I've, I've read in a few places is that um, the level of involvement Nickelodeon had um, because of all the problems they had with um, with John Kay on uh, Ren and Stimpy. Um, that's when they really went. You know what? We need game. We need our own studio um, to bring things under control a bit because they didn't they didn't really trust the creators anymore. Um, and that was something that um, Joe Murray went out, of, out of, well, went public as saying it was a very good thing because it meant that as much trust as he had in the network to to manage his product, they had in him as well. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't a, it wasn't a case of you know, they would farm it out to anybody and their grandmother. And then when it came back, went no, that shit, we're not doing that. They had to take responsibility for it as well. So that was, it was again it's something that was obviously changed the way they worked. And I think. Um, so John Cage being very critical of the fact that he, he had to give up his own show at one point, um, whereas Murray went the other way and said, "Actually, yeah, I quite like it because you now it's we can we can still work as independently as we like. It just means that that somebody else's ticket is carrying the can for it, not just me." Yeah, I mean John Kay is an exceptional case for many reasons, um, which we haven't got nice into previously and won't get We're into not going now. To now. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, I, I can certainly see the argument that's made there. Um, but I, I, I think John Kay just was never ever going to work in any environment other than one where he had complete control. Um, no, that's right. He, he kind of shit the bed for everybody else, didn't he? Yes, definitely. But I mean, having said that, you know, I, I, I mean, you, you alluded to it earlier that there were gags which Nickelodeon were actually encouraging them to push further. So it's not, it's not like they were stifling creativity here. You know, no, that's right. It was just a case of yeah, let's make sure we don't have another John Kay on our hands. Yeah, um, but I mean, I hadn't realised at the time, but um, Rocco's uh, Rocket One Life was actually Nickelodeon's first in-house production. Oh, okay. Well, that yeah, that makes sense. Then that would explain why it's probably so stylistically similar to Ren and Stimpy. Yeah, um, but I mean, it, it, I mean, there's, there's all the stuff that's written about it. One thing that comes across, I say, the fact that every there don't seem to be any egos on it. It seems to be everybody had an absolute fucking blast making it. Um, and from, from the writers, the um, the the, the voice, voice talent, the animators, everybody just got into it. Got it's the most relaxed, low pressure, enjoyable job I've ever had. And it's a shame it only lasted for four years. Um, so I mean, it was you know, it's 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 one of these. You think you know, sometimes it gets a lot of these shows are better when there's a lot of behind the scenes stuff that's quite controversial or quite difficult because it you know it gives you something to, to, to hang on and think well if all that was going on and they still made this great show or all that was going on and that's kind of why the show was shit it gives you something to, to hang your hat on whereas this everyone's gone yeah it's great it's a good job I got paid for it I don't know, nothing went wrong um, and you, know, it, you, you kind of get that no you get that sense that everybody's having fun everyone's sort of, every episode as if, you, if you're true and trying to chron- chronologically they do seem to pick up the pace every episode. They just try and get away with something a little bit further along the line, something a bit further over the line, mm-hmm. and it's like they're all trying to one up each other without trying to without being competitive. It's like no, it's it's a game rather than a competition. Yeah, I and, mean, it, it feels. I don't know too much about what what was going on in terms of the recording and stuff like that, but it, it often feels like it was quite loosely scripted to me. 
Um, mm. So so maybe there was an element of that as well. You know, if you've got those people in that environment um, that are trying to one up each other, you know, right across the board, in from the animators to the to the voice talent to to everybody else. It, if it is loosey goosey, which it certainly feels like, then obviously it's mm. very conducive to that. So. Yeah, I mean, one of the um, stories that came out of the um, the writing team is that um, Murray used to take them on uh, writing excursions, and they, you know, they made some days they'd be you know they'd be in a in a cafe somewhere, the next day they'd be in a cabin in the woods, the next day they'd be at the beach, and it was just literally just pitch me something, pitch me something, pitch me something, and they'd be putting stories together or pulling bits of this and bits bits of that one together and trying to mash them together to make something, um, to to a point where they'd come away with full episodes and all they'd come away with you know, dozens of stories they could use and you know, some of them were based on things that were going on in the world or on real life or things they experienced that the, the writers experienced and some of them were just complete horseshit they made up at the, no, because it was their turn yeah and, and because of that they didn't have no, it wasn't it wasn't formulaic it wasn't generic everyone feels like it's been specifically written and I know obviously everyone is specifically written but you know everyone is built rather than just being right well we need this to happen now we need this to happen now and they've kind of gone into it and gone, no two episodes will be anything alike because we're just kind of wing it. Yeah, now now that you've mentioned that, I wasn't aware that that was how it was written. That makes perfect sense. Um, and that does sort of... You can see that, as I say, especially in some of the later seasons where there are episodes that are just absolute nonsense and, mm. and have no bearing on the theme of the show or anything at all. It's just literally just stupid running around slapstick bullshit. Um, with a very very loose thread and, and that will be why because it will be that maybe they were running out of ideas and maybe it was someone's turn to pitch so mm. they started pitching gags I guess instead of pitching stories almost almost the Disney method if you like um, yeah. but you know the difference is that Disney didn't have to do it over four seasons and Christ knows how many episodes so 52 52 episodes yeah feels like there was more than that well, they they were all they were sort of, they were all doubles, weren't they? Yeah, I was gonna say they were they were um, multiples within within episodes. Um, one other thing with the writing as well, which I hadn't I'm just reading now, I hadn't realised. Um, but the 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 hiring process was you weren't allowed to have worked on a cartoon before. Wow. Um, didn't hire writers with previous experience writing cartoons. Instead, hiring writers who worked outside of animation, including improv actors and comic artists. Um, he said the story concept uh, ever smacked something close to a formula that was was uh, that we've been seen before was was rejected out of hand. Wow, there you go. So yeah, coming back to that kind of improvisational feel, it mm. that definitely comes through for me in watching the show. It definitely, um, it, as I say, it's just what dialogue there is and what story there is even in some cases just feels loose um it's not necessarily a bad thing sometimes it can be um, yeah I was, I was gonna say it's, it's not necessarily always to its detriment i mean it's not always a positive thing but you know you don't you don't go into it going oh christ what they're gonna what's gonna happen now i mean you, you look at um some live action stuff as opposed to as opposed to animated stuff and it's no it's it's slapstick for the sake of slapstick and you'll you go into it thinking oh for fuck's sake what are they going to do now stuff like um bottom mm -hmm. uh, for example which bottom was very well scripted and very well crafted but because the two of them knew each know knew each other so intimately and, and were so um and worked together so well they you know a lot of that was improvised especially when you see their live stuff they'd be on a script and they'd go off on a tangent for 10 minutes and then they'd come back to the show yeah 
and nobody would notice any different except if you saw if you saw them two nights in a row, mm-hmm. you wouldn't know. Yeah, it's all about sticking the landing, really, isn't it? And yeah, and in some cases, I feel like Rocco doesn't do that. Um, there are certainly some episodes that I was watching where, by the halfway point, I was just like, "Oh no, fuck this!" And I I just knocked them on the head and watched another one instead because it was just yeah. going absolutely nowhere. Um, and as I say, it did tend to be those were the later seasons. Um, incidentally, you can identify the seasons if you're not watching on Netflix by the theme tune because yes. it differs greatly, even in it style. Um, well, there, there are three versions of the theme tune. Um, I thought there were only two, but I've read, read it today. There are three. Um, so the original version was on um, every episode of the season one, apart from episode eight. Fuck knows why only episode eight. Um, the second version was slightly remixed version of the first and was used for that episode eight, um, where it had um, distorted voices in the chorus. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the fir- third version was performed by um, Kate Pearson and Fred Schneider from the B-52s, um, who did the re- who did the, um, the third and fourth seasons. Yeah, that is the worst version of the theme song. Um, yeah. It's, it's just horrible. Um, it, it just sounds dreadful and has no life in it. But um, the, the, the theme song in general isn't great but it is the thing i remembered the most easily about the show like as soon as we decided to do it as soon as i mentioned rocco's modern life the theme song was there in my head straight away no i didn't remember it um funny enough i could not remember the theme song and then as soon as i hit play on the first episode I was like, oh yes i remember yeah and it's it's not gonna no it's not up there with ducktales no we're near it spider-man no. and all the rest of it but immediately i was like oh fuck yes i remember that yeah I mean, it's pretty difficult um, to not remember the theme song because it literally is just Rocco's modern life repeated over and over and over. <laughs> that is it. Those are the lyrics. Yeah. But, you know, it's, it's one of those you think, well, yeah, no, you just have a lot of things you forget as you get older and you don't see them for a long time. You do just kind of go, oh, yeah, I probably remember that. I don't know if I think I don't know if I can remember it. And a lot of the stuff we've done so far, I can say, hand on heart, I remember most of them. Even if I, I get the old lyric wrong, I can remember most of it. This one, I, it was completely out of my head. I kind of couldn't remember anything about it. And then as soon as I heard it, like, right, yes, that's it. Yeah. And it's now going to be in my head for the next three weeks. Yeah. Oh, it's an earworm, all right. It'll go round and round and round now. And then you'll forget about it for years again until somebody says Rocco's Modern Life or you see this podcast pop up in a feed and then it's straight there again. Um, yeah. I, it's probably even more annoying because, as I say, it's not all that good. So, it's more annoying that it's stuck in your head. Um, I mean, it's not the worst theme song that we've had, I don't think, but it's far from the best. Yeah, I think that's probably fair. Yeah, it's certainly not winning a place in our uh, eventual theme song, Battle Royale, which we keep threatening to do. (laughs) Yeah, maybe in the top 100 somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. We haven't even done done 100 episodes. We can't have a top 100 I mean, my maths well, is pretty shit, but I, I didn't know we were doing the uh, theme song, only doing the theme songs to shows we've done, because there are other there are other theme songs which are better, uh, which are good, but we haven't done the show yet. Yeah, one's coming next, so <laughs> I'm pretty sure the the winner of the best theme song award is coming next. In fact, so maybe yeah, mm. but we'll we'll leave that. We'll, we'll, we'll leave the three we'll, of you we'll listening. We'll leave you with that tease, folks. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
See, I mean, we talked about um, censorship earlier on. I said, no, they, there was a lot in here that didn't um, get cut out. Um, at, at one point, it was um, it was estimated that over, over one fifth of the audience was um, was solely adults. It wasn't adults watching with kids. It was solely adults, probably mainly students. I'd have thought, but um, they, they they very much went. You know what? We kind of need to cater to that audience as well because having you know, having seen other shows do it and get away with it. It was kind of a boundary they wanted to push because it would have made no, it would have got them more notoriety, would have got them more viewers, uh, and that's why they did things like putting out to work on the sex line, um, having the um, having him falling in love with the milking machine. Um, a lot of them, a lot of the stuff didn't get cut, and the things that did get cut when they went into um, when they got put onto VHS, they were all put back in. Um, Nickelodeon were fine with that. It's only when it went into reruns um, from 2002 they started cutting more and more things out. But, um, I mean, there's there's one um, as an episode called Leapfrogs, um, in which Bear Big Head attempts to seduce Rocco. Um, that was skipped entirely. That that whoa, was never broadcast. Whoa, whoa, back up, hold on. In which Big Head attempts to seduce Rocco. Yeah, Bear Big Head. Oh, right, the the Mrs. Big Head. Right, okay. Yeah, Mrs. Big Head. Sorry. I, I didn't yeah. catch the Bev part of that for uh, some yeah. reason. I thought you said yeah. Big Head. I, I thought we were going uh, down. No. Wow, because I was thinking, that's progressive. Different rabbit hole. Very different rabbit hole. Um, but yeah, that episode was, um, was skipped was entirely. So I think you'll find it's um, a wallaby hole. Anyway. Um, yeah, I was just going to skip past that one. Um, there were... Um, yeah, there were concerns, obviously, because Nickelodeon started cutting stuff. As it went into reruns, they were cutting and cutting and cutting, and they were sort of taking things out of episodes. They were taking entire episodes away. And um, Shout Factory and Paramount announced that they, um, they were releasing on DVD, and there was talk as to whether Nickelodeon would actually let them release the whole thing with the um, with all uh, without all the cuts and without the um, uh, without having dropped episodes. Um, so it looks like the did get away with one actually they released the uncut version in germany um but apart from that um by well, the uncut version apart from one episode called road rash which wasn't uh, on the dvd everything else was published in, in its entirety but it only seems to be the, the german edition that the american version was heavily censored i don't think we even got one here i mean the thing is like you have to remember this was like the early 90s and what was offensive then may not be offensive now time has moved That's on right. so i mean a similar thing happened with ren and stimpy there's entire lost episodes of ren and stimpy which have made their way onto the dvd sets yeah. because you know they're just not that taboo or shocking anymore some of ren and stimpy don't get me wrong fucking definitely still is but you know a lot of it's not and i, and I can't imagine even though we're saying about all the adult humor in this there's just, as we said right back at the start, there's just something a little bit gentler about this show, and I don't feel like it could ever really cause offence. No, I mean, I think it's... There were a few missed opportunities. Like I, I, what, to cause offence? Yeah. <laughs> like I, you know me, I'll offend anybody. Um, but there was, um, in the pilot episodes, um, uh, Spunky gets compacted in the, in the garbage, um, turned into a, a Chinese takeaway box, um, and so to to fatten him back up again, once once he doesn't get fed to the garbage disposal, he he rolls him out with a rolling pin to get his sh- to get his shape back, and then he pulls out a bike pump, and for some reason he doesn't stick it in his ass to blow it, he sticks it in his mouth. 
either, no, you're thinking if you're going out for that shock now, if you're trying to shock people, go off screen and no, take it off screen, have a, a close up of the dog's face and have, have it pull the face as the pose goes up. I think there were things like that they could have done which would have been even more shocking. So, in a way, I'm thinking, um, again, you're probably you know, you're looking at the time of it, thinking we won't get away with that. Whereas now you, could do, you can do things like that in clever editing or clever animation in this case. But they miss, there were a few opportunities, where, a few opportunities for gags they haven't taken. And yet, which, this is the same show that later on, and I think it's in season one as well, when we first start meeting really, really big man, we discover that he can stick his nipples in people's eyes. Yeah. Uh, like, literally, his nipples will pop out on stalks and hit people in the eye. Might do that. What, hit people in the eye? Yeah, it's because everyone's short. Uh, yeah, and you have saggy tits, I guess. So. True, yeah. Pants for good picture, doesn't it? Yeah, well, this went downhill <laughs> fast. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, we're, we're further in than we normally are before we start... Uh... Dropping quality. Yeah, yeah, but I, I no, I, I'm just not bringing it up again. I was, I was just going to say, we, we don't normally get onto talking about your nipples at any point. So that's very true. In in the 15 years I've known you, it's probably the first time it's come up, and hopefully this is all the talk I ever want to have about your nipples. Let's just put it to bed, please. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it is quite like as you said. There's there were some things they got away with, or some things they opted to put, to, to put in and to get away with but you think well I don't understand how they did that but then there are other things they clearly avoided and you're going well you've done that and that's worse than what you could have done there so why have you not done that I refuse to believe that people as funny and as clever as the writers involved in this didn't think of something that easy I mean it's quite likely yeah that, that they did I mean censorship laws are weird fucking things aren't they in terms of what yeah, you but can, I mean, can't get away with so but I mean, I, I refuse to believe that they can get away with having a, a wallaby getting jacked off by a, a cow milking machine, but they can't show a close-up of a dog's face while something's happening off-screen you can't possibly tell what ah, it is. But I guarantee you there will be more people that get offended by even the remotest bit of pain being inflicted on a dog than there are with the same amount of pain happening to a wallaby that's that's the thing like you can get away but it's true you can get away with more because it's a wallaby because people fucking love dogs man like even i'm a a cat person right i don't dislike dogs but I'm, i'm a total cat person right and there are people out there who just lose their fucking minds over dogs like cat people don't do that over cats but people lose their minds over dogs like they treat them like fucking children or something. So I I, I get yeah, that. Yeah, some people do that with cats as well. That's just fucking wrong. Well, I mean, my cats are my children, but, you know... I'm... It's, it's, bad enough, it's bad enough for them to treat your children that well, alone your pets. Yeah, but I mean, I don't necessarily like, like to see a visual gag involving a cat in a cartoon then would not bother me. But I know some people who would get bothered over it if it were a dog for instance but it's a cartoon yeah but people are stupid how often do we have to have this conversation we don't mean you of course listeners you're not stupid because you have uh taste and elegance and everything else you're fine um everyone else is stupid don't tell them but it's a it's it's a fair point and i mean um brian conley did um a sketch on his yeah, you know, a serious sketch on it years ago, where he he um, played a uh, Philip Schofield's Andy Peters type of um, children's TV presenter, and he had a puppet which he used to beat the living fuck out of. And the catchphrase was, "It's a puppet." 
but again, people would lose their absolute shit. You know, can you imagine if Philip Schofield starts hitting Gordon the Gopher over the head with a baseball bat? Yeah. People, people would have lost their shit over that. I just don't. I never got it. Didn't didn't the, Bodger used to hit Badger around though, or was that the other way? No, Badger used to hit Bodger with rolling pins and shit, didn't he? Yeah, something like that. One of them definitely used to hit the other with a fucking rolling pin. Yeah. Or am I or am I getting them confused with Punch and Judy now? Maybe we need to look back at Bodger and Badger so I can get to the bottom of this. Yeah, maybe. Maybe we'll sneak that one on the list somewhere. Yeah. I mean, yeah, this pre-planned list that we've had for ages, I'm sure it's on there already. If it's not, I'll be fucking surprised. If it's not, there is an oversight on our part. Yeah, I think that may be the, uh, may be the case. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I can't remember how we got on to that. Uh, I, I was talking about abusing animals, uh, although not in a sexual sense, for a change. So I'm not advocating it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, look, this this is the new me, okay? We've had our blowout on the last episode of Who Wins. I'm not being offensive to anyone anymore. I'm just... I'm just going to offend yeah. everybody, because if I offend everybody, then I can't offend anybody. Yeah, I'm fed up of apologising, so I'm just not going to be offensive anymore. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm not apologising, so, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, so, I mean... As as a show then it was um it was very well received. Um I think people were quite surprised um it did so well in terms of ratings. Um it consistently scored um scored a three in the Nielsen ratings, which is some above average. Um the the audience share grew by something sixty five percent across the course of the, f- the first season. So I mean word of mouth really took this show. I mean and we're talking about a time where you didn't have on demand. You didn't have multiple repeats, so people would have been VHS in this and passing them around to show. No, to show I can check this one out. Yeah. And and this, no, this show would no. Obviously, no, today it would be a case of no people sharing links and uploading stuff and all the rest of it. But you know, you're talking about a time long before that, and you know, to have that sort of growth across your first season is absolutely unheard of. Yeah, I mean, they would have obviously there was Sky, and this thing was on. On the Nickelodeon channel, this this thing was on every day. Um, like I said, it was always fucking on. I'd be waiting for something else, and I'd like have to sit through Rocco's Modern Life first. Maybe it was just my timing. I don't know, but it was always Maybe, on. But so it, it was never the full episodes, was it? It was always the yeah. the, um, the, the, the skits or the um, or the halves. Yeah, but it it was uh, what I'm saying is it was easy um, for you to say something. Oh, have you, have you seen Rocco's Modern Life? No. Oh, well, just turn Nickelodeon on. It'll be on in like twenty minutes, guaranteed. <laughs> Because as soon as whatever show is currently on is finished, there will be a Rocco's Modern Life on. So it was. Yeah, it was I, I suppose the benefit was that it kind of. I suppose the benefit of it was that because they were halves, and they, I mean, some of the ones I, I've, I've picked up, they were about sort of six or seven minutes. So you could quite easily fill that gap between shows and keep everything starting on a on a thirty minute time slot. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, as well as being on Nickelodeon, I I have a vague recollection this used to be on Channel Four. I want to say as well. Yeah, I, I was going to say the same. Um, I was, I'm sure it was Channel Four. Um, but I can't on the wiki page. I can't see where it was broadcast in the UK. Apart from it says it was on Nickelodeon and then it was syndicated. So I don't, as I don't say, I I just remember Nickelodeon because it was just fucking always on, and it was always in the way of whatever I wanted to watch. Yeah, and I mean, it, it, it's a very Channel 4 type program as well. Um, like we talked about um, Ren and Stimpy not really belonging on BBC yes. 2. Um, you could, you know, you would have seen at the time, you'd have seen it being absolute, absolutely perfect fodder for um, for Channel 4. And this the same. Um, you know, you can see it's the sort of thing, they, you know, the sort of thing they'd, be, they'd have picked up and the sort of audience they were looking at. Um, but yeah, the, 
in terms of reception, um, as it was the the network's highest ever rated cartoon launch um, at the time. Uh, there's a brief period in '93 when the network received numerous complaints from members of a religious group that Ren and Stimpy and Rocker's Bottom Life were too adult oriented to be shown on kids' Sunday mornings. They wanted the shows moved to a different time slot on a different day. And um, the network's polite but effectively told them to fuck off. Well done, Nickelodeon. Just, uh, absolutely. They, they kind of went, you know what? If you don't like it, don't watch. This is our product. We'll do what we, we, do what we want with it. Um, which, I mean, it would be very easy, especially given this was the early 90s. Um, it would be very easy to say, yeah, okay, it's Sunday. That's God's day. We won't show anarchic cartoons. Bollocks. Um, so yeah, good on, good, them for, good on them for that. You know, it's, it's not often you see, them, you see the network standing up to stuff like that. I think when you look at all of these Nickelodeon shows, especially at this era, they there was definitely something happening there. They had, like I said, with with this right back at the start talking about the Nicktoons, they had a definite sense of who they were and a definite brand identity. And I think with that comes a certain amount of confidence and even dare I say it, arrogance as well to be able to do things like that. To be able to say you don't like it, okay, fuck you. Thousands of people do. So. Yeah. get fucked essentially that's right and i mean it, it's it came at a time where that was quite common where you, know, you you often had religious groups going oh you can't do this you can't do that and it was all over the press it was all no in this country as well not just in america but you had these some of these these today you probably call them extreme extremist groups but these um far-right conservative christians going you can't do that you're going to corrupt all our children and it was no it was always something there was always something that's being protested and you were no this this came on the bus on the back of Ren Stimpy. You also had things like The Simpsons coming through. You were around about the time of Beavis and Butthead, I think. Uh, yeah, kind of I guess it would have well, been yeah, it would have been round about this time as well, yeah. And then you were no, you were a year or so away from um, King of the Hill, and uh, no, two years from Futurama. So I mean, no, th- this was a, a right in, right in the forefront of a, a very big movement. And without this stuff, you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't have had your American dads and your family guys and your South Parks and your, you know, your robot chickens and stuff like that, because nobody would have been willing to take the punt because nobody can say, well, I'll put all the effort into making a pilot. I'll, I'll, I'll put, I'll put my heart and soul into writing something that's really, you know, that's really good. That's really funny. It's really intelligent. We get these animators in, we'll do this and the other. And they go, well, we can't do that. It's far too risque. That's far too out there. This kind of, this, was one of a generation of shows that really did pave the way and there's a, there's a documentary that um, Joe Murray and a load of other people including John Kay are involved in um, from about 96, 97 where they were talking about being part of that sort of that movement and that scene uh, I think Mac Raining is a big part of it as well and talking about how they had all these influences like the, the, the Looney Tunes and um, stuff like that but they didn't it didn't go far enough and they, they again they were very formulaic they were very generic and they kind of they, they always got to a point and then pulled back and they all said the same thing. They wanted to not. They wanted to get to the edge and then keep on going. They didn't want to be pulling back and saying, "Right, we're not going to do this now. We're too, we're too afraid to do that." And you keep on pushing those boundaries. And I think that it's it doesn't get the recognition it deserves. This show and the the ones around it don't get the recognition of the fact that we wouldn't have the cartoons we have now. Even the kids' cartoons, things like SpongeBob, which is I think the highest grossing kids' show of all time. Yeah, I mean, make um, no the most make watching. no bones about it. Without Rocco, they just flat out isn't SpongeBob. Well, no, it's the yeah. same team. Um, but um, yeah, it's on, on, on a wider level or a broader level. None of the stuff we have now. I mean, even like you look at some of the um, the, the the kids' cartoon films. Now, you, you've you know, your Pixar films as a prime example, uh, and your Dreamworks. There's so much in there you would not have got away with had it not been for stuff like this. 
20 plus years ago no uh, I agree. These this generation, and I, I kind of consider it like the first generation of Nicktoons, really. Um, and yeah. but this generation of, of Nickelodeon shows, um, everything that came after it was changed by it. There is no doubt about that at all. Um, there was there was a shift in in people's perception towards what kids shows were. I think, and and Nickelodeon is responsible for that directly. Um, yeah. You know, I, I don't think, I, I, I don't think we could honestly say that if we didn't have these, then we wouldn't have had the likes of South Park and, and American Dad and stuff like that, because, because I no. think they they skew older, but it is specifically that kind of SpongeBob and then things like Ed, Ed and Eddie, uh, Phineas and Ferb, you know, yeah. all of those shows like they owe a massive debt to Ren and Stimpy and to Rocco yeah and I mean you mentioned Phineas and Ferb there again that was the same people um, that was Jeff Marsh and uh, Dan Bovenmeyer uh, yeah. um, went on to Phineas and Ferb for Disney um, they were heavily involved with the I think the last season of uh, uh, of Rocco um, so yeah, I mean, you know, so there's there's a, a big legacy um, that comes out of this. I mean, not only obviously the, the shows that came after it and the people who um, came out of it, um, but that's the stuff we're just talking about as well. Um, and you know, you look at um, I say it's an absolute tour de force, and the, so the shows that come out of it. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's 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 it shouldn't be it shouldn't be undersold. And I think that of all the shows that get a lot of praise now. Um, that this will, this gets critical acclaim, but it's not remembered as well by by a lot of people. No. I mean, I, I mentioned we were doing this earlier on, um, and I, four people four people I've, I've spoken to today went, "What? What's that one? I don't remember." When I sort of told them what it was about, I don't remember that. I showed them I showed them Rocco. Oh yeah, yeah, I yeah. know, yeah, uh, um, and that was kind of it. So I mean. Yeah, it's, it's it's a shame because you know, it, it doesn't get the um, it doesn't get the recognition it deserves, and critically, it wasn't it wasn't universally well received either. I mean, it, a lot a lot a lot of people said, "No, yes, it no, yes, it's good. It's not 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 super for kids, but it's 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 good hearted, you know, good good hearted outrage." I think was my favourite one. Um, but then um, a lot of people went, "Oh, yes, just a, a less clever version of Ren and Stimpy," um, and I think that's a bit unfair as well. It certainly is, as I say, it's, I I. I think Animaniacs is a much fairer comparison than Ren and Stimpy. I can see why we compare it to Ren and Stimpy because it's stable mate and because it's got the same look and perhaps a certain yeah. amount of the same attitude. But as a show, it, it for me it definitely feels closer to Animaniacs than it does to Ren and Stimpy. Yeah, yeah, I'd say so. You know? But but it's it it is interesting what you say that, that people didn't quite remember it. As I say, I. I wanted to do it, but I hadn't thought about it in 20 years other than occasionally the theme song popping in my head until we started doing this show when I suggested it. Um, And I think that's probably the same for a lot of people, you know, because I think it probably was that filler show, just like it was for me. Yeah, Um, Yeah, quite possibly. Having gone back and rewatched it, um. I think it's probably slightly more than a filler show. I I've enjoyed what I've watched, and I'd happily watch more. Uh, does it set my world on fire? Though, unfortunately, the answer is still no. It's good. It's funny. Um, 
it's enjoyable and I've loved everything that I've watched, but I mean, we're in a world now where I can watch whatever I want when I want and there's just no way I'm going to watch Rocco instead of Animaniacs or Ren and Stimpy. Yeah, I think that's fair and I mean, that's it. We've just kind of we get we normally get to this point, so I say, you know, was it worth rewatch? I think yes, it was worth rewatching. I mean, I haven't seen this show for fucking donkey's years, and I've come into it and I've gone, yeah, I liked the show at the time. I've I've come into it prepared to be disappointed as as we have been with other shows where I've enjoyed, and I've gone, yeah, you know what? I still really enjoy it. I still, you know, I I got a lot out of it. I you know, I appreciated sort of the ability to sit down for ten minutes and just go through it. I, mean, I think the pilot was eight and a half minutes and I think generally they're, they're about sort of seven, eight minutes the um, the the episode you get and yeah it was something easy you could just sort of sit there and go oh, okay yeah okay the, the Hoover's now going to eat oh, the faculty is now going to eat the dog or no, um, I can't remember was it Earl the um, the mental mm-hmm. patient bulldog who always gets out he's out again so he, you know, he's going to cause some chaos um, and yeah it's no, you can sort of sit there and go well, what's going to happen no, what's he going to do how is he going to cock this one up Almost to a point where you do with um, Peter Griffin or Homer, and you go, "Oh fuck's sake, how 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 bad can he make this one?" And then just dial that to about forty three, and you you you're on the right track. Um, but yeah, I, th- I think you're right. No, it does, it's not unsettling to be world on fire. It's not not a case of you're going to go out and say, "I have to see the show," and then go and stream all fifty two episodes in a row, because you don't need to. No. No, I agree. I, I, I think, think it is it worth three watch. Yes, definitely. Go and take a look. It's a, uh, it's funny. It's entertaining. It'll swallow up an evening of your time if you want. It'll swallow up ten minutes if you're waiting for a bus and you want to watch it on your phone. Like, it's it's not bad. It is by no means bad. And I don't mean that in the same way that we were talking about Tailspin either, where I was like, oh, it's not bad, but it's not very good. No, this is, this is yeah. a good show. It's just... I feel like everything that it does and wants to do is done better elsewhere and it's done so much better elsewhere that I'll just go there, basically. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Um, just lastly as well, um, there was a there's there's um a television special that was uh, that was actually made um, that was due to be released last year. Um, but Nickelodeon, because of all the changes they've had in in management, they've made they produced the film, they paid for the film, but they hadn't actually slated it for release. So as of February this year, they have no idea what's going on with it. I'd watch that if it came out now and there was there was new Rocco and it was relevant to today's yeah kind of society. I'd it's, watch yeah, that um, definitely. Yeah, that's it. It's it's the original cast. It's um, I say that the plot is noted as after being in space for around twenty years, Rocco and his friends attempt to conform to an even more modern life in old time where coffee shops are on every corner, food trucks offer multi layered tacos, touchscreen old phones are being upgraded on a near constant basis. An instant print kiosk has replaced Rocco's old job at kind of a lot of comics, and radioactive energy drinks turn their consumers into mutants. I would definitely shit. watch that. I am in. I want to see that. Yeah, so I mean, Nickelodeon announced it in 2016. Um, they, they greenlit it. The um, release was set for 2018. Sneak Peek was released to coincide with Rocco panel at uh, Comic Con 2017. Um, but as of February the 4th this year, Joe Murray uh, says he has no idea when it's being released so watch this space is what we're saying guys absolutely yeah and obviously you know, if, if we see anything you, you we'll probably we'll probably go 20 years behind everybody else but if we see anything we'll we'll post it we'll let you know yeah so yeah keep it around our feeds if nothing else but um yeah watch this space i definitely think that's worth watching 
Oh, absolutely. And it, we, part of the charm was always on the Hanna-Barbera stuff, certainly the cartoons they did, they kind of, they tried to pitch everything in a very surreal world. So you, know, you had Flintstones, which was set in prehistoric times, the Jetsons, which was set in, in, in the distant future. What was modern life was always kind of set where we are, but obviously where we are now is not where we were when the show came out. So seeing how they how they do manage you know, things like smartphones and all the and all the sort of crap we have today, which we didn't even know we didn't have um, when when this was put out, it's been interesting to see how they how they how they've adapted to that. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Um, so yes, I mean that's that's rock with modern life. I mean, yeah, as, as we said, I, I've enjoyed it. I enjoy, I've enjoyed rewatching it, but it's no, it's not the sort of thing I'm going to go out and binge watch all fifty two episodes because you know, I have a life. Uh, yeah, I can't recommend binging it um but yeah dip in take a look see what you think i guess yeah absolutely um but yeah if you want to discuss that you want to uh, discuss anything with us really we're, we're always available um you can find us uh, on facebook with the double Down podcast network you can find us on twitter at smpd pod uh you can go to our website it's ddpodcast.net and uh, leave a comment on there we'll uh, we enjoy uh, we enjoy all the feedback we enjoy shooting the shit so get in touch until next time that was a hoot!